Welcome to Hazel's Story, an epic saga podcast. We're here to dive into the panels and pages of Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' comic book masterpiece, unpacking the amazing characters, themes, and weirdness in this grand space opera. My name's Abu. And I'm Alan. Alan, it's a new month. It's a new month. Which means a new chapter. It's true. And we are here with the penultimate, the second to final chapter of this new story arc. We are here at uh, chapter 59. We are. And look, before we give too much away with our geekiness and excitement, spoiler warning, folks. Huge, huge spoiler warning for today's instant reaction episode. If you are not completely caught up with Saga all the way through chapter 59, the one we're talking about today, then stop listening, go get caught up, and then come back and listen. Yes, and with that out of the way, as always, want to know what you all think of these new Saga chapters. We're coming to the end of the first new story arc since Saga came back, and we want to hear how you're vibing, how you're reacting, what kind of feels are you having? Are you excited about what Brian and Fiona have been unfolding? Send us all your reactions and theories on any of the new chapters to Hazel's Story at loreparty.com. That's Hazel's Story at loreparty.com. Two S's in the middle there. We've gotten a couple of really great emails from some fans, and we'd love to hear from the rest of you, either about us or honestly just about the book. For sure. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, y'all know the drill by now. This is an instant reaction episode, which means that by no means is this our usual deep dives. Today is going to be all gut reactions, a lot of geekiness, and it'll be a little messier and less organized than usual, but definitely a lot more excitement. All right, housekeeping's out of the way. Let's talk about chapter 59. Alan, what were your thoughts? I struggled a little bit with like takeaways or even kind of reactions to this chapter because I felt like there's a lot of setup happening here there's a lot of Mm -hmm. this character moving over here and this character moving over here and we're setting up something that's going to happen in chapter 60 to finish up this story arc but i will say as i was trying to think about like what what is a commonality or what's a thing that's going on here i just keep coming back to this fact that as we keep meeting new characters even if they're like fun band members on a like journey of punk music and we think that they're delightful three chapters after we met them we find out that they're all fucked up and they're literally fighting each other (laughs) over who gets credits for the album so the only conclusion i could draw with that is that like we are really seeing that everyone in this story is not okay and is kind of traumatized by the experience of what they've had to go through coming from this war and this violence and just the way that the society is set up the more new people we meet the more we really understand just how fucked up and kind of repressed everyone is. And Mm -hmm. there's also, though, the reality that no one can really keep repressing whatever's happening to them forever. And when it's time to deal with all these repressed feelings, experiences, whatever, the only solutions seem to be either fighting, like the band does, where they're literally like the first panel in this chapter is the singer in a headlock by the guitarist (laughs) or just total avoidance right like alana does a lot of avoidance bombazine is clearly avoiding his dark past even Mm -hmm. the poor oh the poor fish store owner mr to jump seat i guess is how i want to try and say that (laughs) has some kind of this past he's trying to keep hidden and he just wants to live his life and run his fish store but of course agent gale shows up and you know kills this poor man and also this poor beautiful fish that's on the cover of this issue so at this point i think that 
my only real question after all of this is where the fuck are all the therapists and counselors in this universe? Yes. Because everyone has awful trauma on top of the normal, just like regular relationship trauma. Why is nobody talking to anybody about this? Like we said before, Prince Robot goes to Sextilian and, you know, tries to like fuck his problems away. <laughs> A man will go to Sextilian just to avoid therapy, but maybe that's because yes. in this universe there are no therapists. That's a great question. Who in this universe is actually going to therapy is maybe the biggest question of Saga. I love this point, though, actually, that th this there's clearly a through line here that a lot of these characters have pasts and are haunted by them. And I think to your point about them, like either ignoring it or having some sort of violent outburst mm -hmm. in reaction to it is them clearly not addressing it in a healthy way and them not addressing it mm -hmm. means that their past will eventually catch up with them. Right. It's catching up with Bombazine. It's catching up with the fish store owner. And uh, you just can't avoid that forever is maybe the lesson from today's reading. The lesson from today's <laughs> reading is deal with your trauma. Otherwise, your trauma will deal with you. Yes. Oof. My only other uh, reaction to this chapter was just that like I said before, the whole chapter just feels like set up for whatever is going to come next for the final chapter in this story arc. All the characters are shifting places. There's also this weird thing with just like how high the skipper looks. I feel like mm -hmm. we're supposed to notice that he is like out of his gourd when he has been pretty like on the level, like crazy, but not like high in the previous chapters. And in this one, he is high as fuck. And yeah. something huge and terrible feels like it's about to happen. And then even that like, you know, kicker at the very end of the chapter where Squire confesses his love to Hazel, it feels almost like a red herring. Like it's sort of throwing us off that like, oh, this seems like chapter 60 is going to be all about the fallout from this, you know, weird step-sibling drama. But really, it's going to be something much, much worse. I don't know. I'm, I'm This is... This is how traumatized I am by having <laughs> dived so deep into this story that I'm just like, I'm on eggshells waiting for the next terrible thing to happen to one of these characters I love. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I, that final panel with Squire confessing his love does feel like Brian and Fiona intentionally distracting us from something. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like like that won't yeah. be as big of a plot line as, as it's potentially setting up. But we'll see. I mean, it's the penultimate chapter, right? Like the... We are, you're so right that we are setting something big up for chapter 60 and the end of this first arc of the, of the new chapters here. For sure. Um, what about you with this chapter? Did you struggle like I did to sort of have concrete takeaways because there was so much setup happening? I did. Yeah. My, my reaction was exactly the same as yours. I read the chapter. I started scripting our quick react episode. And then I kind of was like, I don't know. And I went back and I reread the chapter because I, I was like, I don't, I don't, with the other chapters, I've had just mm -hmm. immediate emotional reactions, right? Mm -hmm. With this one, I had to kind of revisit it and think about it a little more deeply. I did end up with two quick takeaways that I wanted to share. Awesome. The first is this sentiment that Hazel expresses about how her family has always been fluid, mm -hmm. but has also always been a constant. And I loved that idea so, so much because it's true. Like Hazel has never, ever felt this absence of people who cared for her. She's always been surrounded by a group of people that will go to any lengths to protect her. But that group of people hasn't necessarily always been the same besides Marco and Alana. Of course, Marco and Alana are the two constants, at least up until Marco's death. Mm -hmm. 
But there is a long list of characters, friends, foes, randos that they've come across that have been a part of Hazel's quote unquote extended family, which was such a beautiful sentiment. And to hear Hazel express it here in this chapter definitely did affect me. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's Saga, so there's like a double-edged sword heartbreak part of it too. The heartbreaking part for me in this chapter was realizing how many times in Hazel's Mm -hmm. very young life, she's had to say goodbye to people she loves and to these extended families that she's made, either because of like terrible circumstances, like people literally dying, or just because they've had to go their separate ways, like mm-hmm. Bombazine and Hazel in today's reading. And it's clear to me that it, it hasn't gotten easier. However many times she has had to say goodbye to loved ones, that panel where Guitar sort of has an arm around her shoulder and is pulling her away from Bombazine, it's written all over Hazel's face that goodbyes are never easy. Well, and there's even that little bit that we get... Because as Hazel's getting older, we're starting to get more direct interplay between narration Hazel and like what Hazel's experiencing. Because like there was a long time where Hazel presumably wouldn't have remembered the things that we were seeing. But like she remembers these scenes. Yeah. So you get guitar says goodbyes are for assholes. And then you immediately get an aside from adult Hazel who gives who tells you a seductively awful piece of advice I carried with me for years. So you get that immediate Mm -hmm. understanding of the impact of this that like tween hazel heard from somebody who i think is going to end up becoming a bit of a a mentor maybe or like a you know she's a cool older woman who plays guitar and like hazel's clearly like into her so guitar says this thing about uh goodbyes are for assholes and then you're like oh yeah i internalized that and it fucked me up for years and we get to see that all in one little chapter because of how the narrator has been set up yeah totally My other quick takeaway from today's reading is about that sort of gut-wrenching final couple of panels between Bombazine and Alana, once we realize that Bombazine has agreed to stay with Skip and is not going to be leaving with Alana and the family. I, for one, don't believe a word of what Bombazine has said to Alana in this moment. As painful as it is, this to me reads as like a classic tactic to make saying goodbye hurt less, Mm -hmm. right? hurt the other person instead, make them want to go away so that this goodbye is less painful for all of us. It seems clear to me, at least, that Bombazine is intentionally pushing Alana and her family away in order to maybe protect them from something, right? We still don't have a clear picture of what his shady past is. And it's obviously starting to resurface. Skip is using it as leverage against him. And... It seems to me that Bombazine is like, Alana and the family, these kids, I love them too much. They cannot get wrapped up in whatever my past is. It's starting to come back and haunt me. Yeah. I do wonder, though, based off of just Alana's reactions and some of the ways that Fiona drew Alana's like facial expressions, I wonder how much of Bombazine's words are going to affect Alana, though, right? This idea that... Alana has never been able to provide stability for Hazel and Squire. That does have a ring of truth to it. Right. And I I wonder if this will affect some of her decisions going forward. If Brian and Fiona decide there's a point where Alana is going to separate from the kids, I will riot. (laughs) God. I mean, but there is that reality that Alana 
was separated from Hazel for that whole period that she was with the spider nanny, which is, yeah, those are chapters we haven't gotten to in our deep dive yet. But I was reminded of that as a whole plot arc when I was looking through some back issues the other day. Yeah, I do think you're right, though, about like Alana's facial expression now that I'm looking back on it, betraying some sense of just how hurt she is. And Fiona's doing it very subtly, but intentionally with the facial expressions, which I'll talk about later, actually. But Alana's face when Bombazine says that she's an unfit mother is just like, She's not controlling any part of it. That's pure emotional reaction. You see in the next panel that same pure emotional reaction. Then she drops her head down and said something smarmy and snarky. And then in the final panel, she's got her like brave face, like, you know, chip on her shoulder, like fake soldier face on. So it's like for a moment, her guard came completely down because what Bomazine said was so cutting. But then she quick resets. And then snaps back yeah. to like, you know, snarky, sassy Alana as a defense yeah. mechanism. Because I think you're right. There is some truth to what Bombazine said. Alana is kind of addicted to chaos. I don't know if you've ever known somebody like that in your life, but there are people like that who you're just like, <sighs> I, I think that there is some truth that Alana has some of that allure of like wanting to create chaos in her life to fill whatever. Yeah. And Bombazine calls her out on it in a way that I think you're right, is him trying to protect them. From, I don't know, the worst line to me that he says is under his breath, yeah, well, killing's not the worst thing you can do to a person. Which then just makes me think like, fuck, what did he do? (laughs) Like, what what did he do? Fuck. My God, his past is going to come back in a bad way, you know? Like, we know Saga well enough to know that that's going to be a bombshell when that comes out. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think it's going to be next chapter. I 100% think it's going to be next chapter. Ooh, a prediction. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably going to be wrong. Yeah. Well, you and I don't like being wrong, so that's, <laughs> that's part I, of our personalities. <laughs> I think it's more that when we are proven wrong, we feel bad, which is a different yeah. thing than not liking being wrong. <laughs> right, right. Honor students, all that. All of that. All right, Alan, as we do... Let's wrap up today's episode by sharing our favorite panels and quotes. Yes, totally. All right, Abu, hit me with it. What was your favorite panel? What was your favorite line? So I had a tough time picking a favorite panel. There was so much gorgeous art in this one little issue, and I kind of flip-flopped a little bit, but I eventually landed on that one establishing shot before we go to the fish store this establishing shot of a landfalling street while it's raining and storming outside. Mm-hmm. And something about this panel just struck a chord with me. The way that Fiona drew the lights bouncing off of the wet road because it's raining and storming, this very like New York City street aesthetic with the little shop signs and the bodegas and the advertisements, it just looked really, really good. And yeah. it's no secret that you and I love Fiona's art on this podcast, but I think this panel in particular just reminded me how good she is at capturing mood and atmosphere Mm -hmm. because I know what a rainy city street on landfall now looks and and feels feels like, like. right? Exactly. And I know kind of like it sets the whole tone for the scene between Agent Gale and the fish store owner. This one single image. Abu, I have a guess for why you like this panel so much. Okay, hit me. It's an anime establishing shot. 
<laughs> that's absolutely like an anime style establishing shot, which is actually the thing I like the it most is. about it is that it's an anime establishing shot from like a moody noir anime, the like very impressionistic with the soft colors and like the beautiful like foggy rain. And then the next yeah. panel is actually like mundane and kind of gross and dirty. It's sort of like the image of what a city street looks like versus the reality. You and I live in New York City. <laughs> the reality of what a city street actually looks like. Right. And smells like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the awning is kind of like like worn down and like I, I love this pick and I also love how Fiona plays with representation of that like this is a magical world but it's also a very mundane world but you need aquariums and supplies and that there's an unhoused veteran sleeping on the street. Yeah, definitely. Okay, what about you? What was your favorite panel? So uh, my favorite thing about this chapter is how much it kind of felt like a, like a bottle episode or like a play because so much mm-hmm. of it is interaction between characters face to face and so much dialogue, which means that there is some amazing faces created by Fiona for this chapter, some of which just, they even look like portraits. If you've seen like photography portraits where you can capture some moment of pure emotion and there's just so, 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 so many of those. So even the very first page in the chapter is guitar slash, I guess we learned her name is Hectare, Hectare? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't, I, I was like, is it Hectare? Like the unit of measurement? I don't know. Anyway, we'll go with, <laughs> we'll go with Hectare for now. But her face on the very first page where it's like, she's got like snake teeth or something. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. And then we also see this like a similar straight on close up of Alana's face. When we first see her new hairdo, you get like a straight on close up of Skipper's blissed out high as fuck face. You even get this, this beautiful portrait of Agent Gale the only time he's expressing emotion in all of this is when he realizes he's shot this fish and he gets yeah. sad about it. Which is I almost so, picked that panel. Yeah. It's so good. But the absolute best in the entire chapter, as far as I'm concerned, is Hazel when she sees, you know, her brother get knocked over in the little tussle between the Mm, band members uh and just like the way that her face looks and the red that gets thrown behind in the background of that panel is just amazing and even the the other band member goes damn little one weird intensity (laughs) which i think is just so perfect and it shows what photography and photography portraits have taught us about capturing emotion is that you want to capture that Moment of peak emotion is what a photojournalist I once met always said that you want to you want to grab is the moment of peak yeah. emotion to be able to represent that. And I think all of these are that, but the hazel one is absolutely my favorite. Yeah. And actually, that transitions us nicely because it's clear that panel spoke to both of us for different reasons. My favorite quote is that panel. Oh, awesome. That angry hazel panel where she screams, quote, if you hurt my brother, I'll kick your fucking teeth in, end quote. I love it. As an older brother myself, I uh, identified with this sentiment very strongly. I'm a very risk-averse, conflict-averse person mm-hmm. and always have been. I've, When I was a little kid, I was scared of everything. I'm a grown adult, still scared of everything. But I have legitimately, and this is maybe too, I should, maybe shouldn't be saying this on the record, but I have <laughs> legitimately pondered how I'd murder someone if they hurt my sister in any way. Like Dexter style, how would I saw them up and drain them of their blood if they hurt my sister? And like, yeah, that's like a very, this is maybe something to talk about in therapy, but it's like, that's like a very protective sibling emotion. And the way it's captured in this panel, both in the art, as you've pointed out, but also in what Hazel screams here, like, I'll kick your fucking teeth in. Don't you dare touch my brother. 
I get that. I identify with that so strongly. Well, it's also amazing because it's it's actually showing Hazel's behavior. It's in direct contradiction to some Hazel narration earlier in that chapter where Hazel says, quote, most creative endeavors, hell, most endeavors eventually result in some degree of conflict. Whenever things get particularly heated, I've learned to just not engage. Oh, yeah. But then literally <laughs> two panels later, she's like screaming and ready to jump on somebody and take their fucking head off uh, because yeah. they've hurt her brother. So it's it's interesting. You're starting to see like, well, how reliable is this narrator? Like how mm. much of this actually really happened the way that the narrator has related it to us? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such an excellent point. Can we trust what Hazel tells us? Because she she is telling the story through her version of it through her eyes and her memory too so for my favorite quote i went with something less emotional and more just kind of like it's a fun observation where alana is of course for this story surprised that something awful doesn't happen to her when she comes back with the money from the deal like she sort of hands him the money minus their take and he's like all right cool See you later. And she's like, wait, what? You're not going to like do something terrible to me or threaten to. Yeah. I think he says, she says, you threatened to cut my nipples off or something, <laughs> which that's where her brain was at. And then mm -hmm. he says this amazing thing, which, you know, he's high as hell and has some some stoner wisdom, which is, quote, if every drug deal ended bad, nobody would ever be on drugs and fucking everybody's on drugs, which I just thought was such an excellent thing to point out that the popular conception and representation of the way that like drugs and are, are bought and sold, if you sell drugs, you get into some nasty shit and there's gonna be violence and like conflict and stuff like that. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes that just like in the world of buying and selling drugs, you just kind of move a product around and, you know, sometimes it gets violent, but if things are held together well, it's just another product with a very interested consumer base. Yeah. Not not speaking from experience or anything. I'm just, I'm just saying that. <laughs> just, uh, just an observation. Just an observation. An observation right. not even from me, from Brian K. Vaughn about <laughs> the world that like there's obviously a hell of a lot more drugs that are bought and sold than there are people yeah. who end up getting hurt over drugs. I don't know. Just a, just a thought. Yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great pick. I love it. All right. That's it right there. The penultimate chapter, chapter 59 and in our instant reactions. I'm so, I, I'm like, I have so much anticipation now. I have so much anticipation about what all of this is setting up with chapter 60. And I can't wait to bring you all our quick reaction to that chapter, which as our release schedule goes, that chapter actually comes out the day before our episode will come out. So we're going to do a real quick reaction. Yeah. The chapter comes out on June 29th. The episode where we talk about it will be on June 30th. But before that, two weeks from now, we're going to continue our deep dive read along episodes as we start with volume five of Saga, which I have no recollection of what it is about. So I'm not even going to say this is one of my favorite <laughs> or not. Yeah. Can't wait to jump into that volume. Also, quick note, Brian and Fiona will likely be going on a few months break after chapter 60. So after we have our chapter 60 instant reaction, we'll continue our deep dive episodes, of course, but we're really, really interested to hear from you, dear listener, what other kinds of episodes you'd love to hear on this podcast, because we're realizing there will eventually come a time when we will be all caught up on our deep dives and we will only be talking about new issues from there onwards. And we'd love to start experimenting with different kinds of episodes, character deep dives or interviews or whatever the heck else 
you're all interested in listening to on this podcast that's saga related. So hazelstory at loreparty.com is the place to send your ideas and thoughts on what sorts of conversations do you want to hear on this podcast? Absolutely. You can also DM us on Twitter. All of us at Lore Party in the Lore Party Podcast Network check our Twitter account, which is at lore underscore party. So follow us, hit us up with a DM if, if email is not your thing. And just let us know any ideas for shows. Yeah. We, we are we are super into that. And that's it. Uh, that's the end of our quick react. And hey, before we let you go, just a quick reminder, there are worse things you can do to a person than murder them. Oh. Don't forget that. God, it's so fucked up. <laughs>